athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. the Dopey Show on radio. It's from the press box to press row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a good show for you today and got a lot to talk about. Going to talk Kevin Durant. Going to talk Lakers. Going to talk Hurricanes Bruins. Also going to talk about UNC's decision, the University of North Carolina's decision not to release the findings of the, the Sylvia Hatchell uh, situation with the head coach and her coaching staff. Of course, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. The staff resigned amidst uh, some information that came out about um, some uh, some uh, a couple of different things. Number one, some uh, racial things, if you will, that were said to players by Coach Hatchell. That has been alleged. And then also the fact that Hatchell and the coaching staff made players play and of course those allegations coming from players coming from the parents of the players but I want to address the fact that UNC um, has decided not to release those findings they did an independent study decided not to release those findings which is very disappointing I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the program Joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row is the MEAC Tournament, MEAC Baseball Tournament, that is, begins on next week. Norfolk State has won the Northern Division, has won the MEAC's Northern Division, and head coach Keith Shoemate going to join us today on the program. Going to talk some Norfolk State baseball as, of course, the Spartans begin, um, or are set to begin, uh, the uh, their play in the MEAC tournament. They do have a weekend series against North Carolina Central in Durham. So a lot to get to today. I mean, you know, you, 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 if you look at the situation with the uh, Bucks and the Celtics and the Celtics, boy, they won that first game in mighty fashion. And then the Bucks came all the way back to win the last four games. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot has been made about what Paul Pierce said after Boston won the first game in the manner in which they won. He said the series was going to be over at that point, and here come the Bucks coming all the way back. And I never thought, listen, I think a lot of times and what happens a lot of times uh, just in society as a whole and generally speaking, we get caught up in the now. We get caught up in the right now and what's happening in the moment as opposed to taking a step back to look at the totality of everything. And if you look at what the Milwaukee Bucks have done throughout the course of the season, they've got a top five player 
in Giannis Antetokounmpo, Antetokounmpo, they have some really good players. You know, when you look at, you know, most notably Chris Middleton and, and, and they have a really good coach. I mean, there's a lot, you know, there's a reason why the Bucks were number one coming out of the East. There was a reason why the Bucks were number one when everybody thought that the Celtics would win it. And of course they uh, didn't play well for the majority or for a lot of the season. I shouldn't say the majority of the season, but for a lot of the season, and they made a nice run towards the latter part of the season when everybody was talking about Philadelphia and everybody was talking about Toronto and that's all fine and dandy. But when you have a team, I mean, it's almost like they had to prove themselves um, and, and prove to the non-believers that they're a really good team. I think people thought that maybe it was a fluke, but, if you look at the Bucks over the last couple of years, and let's look at the Bucks from last year, I mean, hey, you know, they were a number six seed. They were making that climb. We saw the, we really saw Antetokounmpo and, you know, his game uh, really start to blossom last year, and he took it to another level this year. And all of the, uh, a lot of the other players, Eric Bledsoe, and, and as I mentioned, Chris Middleton and all of these other players really took it to another level. And by the way, I think the play of George Hill has been really key for the Bucks as well. We forget about George Hill and a lot of the battles that he had um, in the playoffs. He has a lot of playoff experience with Indiana, with San Antonio. So this is a Bucks team. I mean, I don't I don't know, you know, I mean, it's almost I mean, you know, it's like the Bucks had to prove to everyone why. They were the best team in the East, but they didn't have anything to prove like their record spoke for them and they handled their business in the first round and they handled their business in the second round after getting blown out in game one. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Bucks. Uh, also, what's next for the Celtics? Boy, I mean, I, I look at the Celtics and, you know, as I watch these games, particularly game five. On Wednesday, it looks like just a bunch of individuals. Like it doesn't look like a cohesive team unit like we saw on last year without Kyrie Irving when that team played way above its head to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, as a matter of fact, before falling to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers on last year. Your participation here on From the Press Box to Press Row always warranted. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Also on Instagram, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Thank you to all of our outstanding affiliates around the country that carry From the Press Box to Press Row. Great affiliates, W-U-R-K, F-M. In Tampa carries the program. KTTP out of Alexandria, Louisiana carries the program. I mean, there's so many great radio stations around the country. WJSU uh, FM out of Jackson, Mississippi that carries the program. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141 and 142. And those listening to us around the world at BotchToRow.com. And, you know, the big story of the week, Kevin Durant going down. In Game 5 of the Western Conference Semifinals, it's a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals, one in which Houston, it's almost like a tale of two years when you talk about San Antonio and Houston and, 
you know, Houston had that three games to two lead last year when Chris Paul went down. And then ultimately, uh, the, the, the Golden State Warriors able to come back and win that, that, um, that series and ultimately win the championship. And then you look at this year in game five in the third quarter with Durant going down. He came down awkwardly. A lot of indications early on that is that it was an Achilles. It turned out to actually be a um, a calf strain, which is great news. I mean, there's a there's, you know, the timetable in terms of when Durant is going to be able to, you know, come back and be able to help this team um, is in question. At the end of the day, though, to me, um, moving forward, this is a it's an interesting dynamic, right? So you look at the situation pre Kevin Durant and how good the Warriors won. They won the NBA championship in 2015. They had the best record of all time in 2016, had a three games to one lead against Cleveland in the in the NBA finals, ended up losing that series, of course, four games to three. A lot of that had to do with Draymond Green getting kicked out. So we've seen the Warriors have success. And I know a lot of people are still mad about Kevin Durant leaving OKC to come to Golden State. I'm on record in my position on that is this. You don't want to be Charles Barkley. You don't want to be, you know, Carl Malone. You don't want to be John Stockton. You don't want to be one of the greatest players in NBA history to have never won a championship. And, and you know, there was uh, obviously there was some kind of disconnect between either Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook or Kevin Durant and OKC uh, as a uh, the as the Thunder and then perhaps Oklahoma City, whatever it was. I mean, there were, you know, to me, better opportunities in the Bay Area, in Oakland, uh, slash San Francisco, really in Oakland, but in that Bay Area, many opportunities outside of basketball for Kevin Durant. It's a, it's a, I mean, you know, OKC is a small market. Oakland or the Bay Area really is a large market. So a lot of opportunities. We can go back and forth about why he left. At the end of the day, he has been the reason why. Golden State has won the last two championships. The reason, not a hanger on, not a guy that went to another team, averaged 10 points a game, um, helped the team out a little bit, and then got the championship ring. No, he's been the reason the last two years. But I and, and that's where the dynamic comes in. I think that you've gotten used, obviously, to Kevin Durant and what he's able to do, and he's been carrying this team for the most part. You look at Steph Curry, you look at Klay Thompson, although those guys definitely have come through. Um, Listen, it's been Kevin Durant that has been Mr. Consistent. So now, I think Golden State, you know, other guys are obviously going to have to step up. A lot more is going to have to be expected from Draymond Green, who, by the way, has been very good. I must say, seemed like you know, at points in the season, Draymond was just bad. I mean, quite frankly, and not only with his shot, but with his playmaking decisions. But if you look at him in the playoffs, he's been really, really good. His assists have been way up. He's done a lot of different things to help this team. But I think, you know, obviously now you have a guy like Andre Iguodala who has to to come uh, to, to really step up. You have to have some of those bench players to really, really step up for Golden State. 
But it's got to be the play of Klay Thompson, and it's got to be the play of Steph Curry moving forward if you're talking about Golden State having any chance of, of, of making it back to the NBA Finals. Going to talk more about Golden State and Kevin Durant a little bit later on in the program. Still to come, we got to talk about some other NBA playoff action that's going on. A lot to get to today as from the press box to press row rolls on. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com or call them toll free 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip the neighborhood original. Brought to you by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Visit them at HarlemBeerNC.com. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. Freaking a funky dope style, a woman's back to claim her name. is a shame, 21 with a aim. Under the seat is kept me. Welcome back to From the Press Box to Press Row. Still to come here on the program, Norfolk State head baseball coach Keith Shoemake going to join us. Talked about Kevin Durant on the other side. And again, you know, moving forward, the Warriors going to have to switch up their, uh, you know, they're going to have to make adjustments. I mean, that that's the bottom line at the end of the day. And guys that had been used to making shots are going to have to step up and make shots now, most notably Steph Curry and Clay Thompson moving forward for the Warriors. We'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on. We got a game seven on Sunday, the Raptors and the 76ers. And what a seesaw affair this series has been. And just when you counted out the 76ers because of bad play, you look at Joel Embiid. If you look at game five, he, uh, you know, his coach mentioned uh, Brett Brown, the fact that he let him know about nine or 10 hours before the game that he didn't think he was going to be able to play in the game because he was sick. And I mean, you know, his presence is very much needed. He didn't have a great game per se in game six in Philly, but his presence is needed. He played, you know, almost uh, he played quite a bit of minutes. 
you know, it's really been the play of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has really, really stepped up for the 76ers in the playoffs. And we think about sort of the up and down with Jimmy Butler throughout the course of the season. He started the season in Minnesota. Even before the season, there was a lot of rumblings and, you know, maybe some uh, discontent between he and the organization, between he and the coach. He ultimately gets traded to the 76ers, maybe uh, at least some reports early on about some discontent, uh, discontent between he and head coach Brett Brown. But at the end of the day, Jimmy Butler is a baller, you know, one of the more underrated players in the league. When you, you think about top 10 players in the league and I, I you know, I, I don't know. I mean, he's playing like a top 10 player right now. There's no question about that. Is he a top 10 player Generally speaking, probably not. But wow, has he really, really stepped up for the 76ers? He's brought some leadership to that team. I mean, you got to realize, and of course, Embiid is still young. Simmons is still young. And, you know, he's a star. There's no question about that. He's played really well. You know, game seven goes back to Toronto. I, You know, I don't know that the 76ers can win a game on the road. And you speak of consistency, and we know for sure that Kawhi Leonard is a top 10 player. Heck, he's a top five player in the NBA, and he has been absolutely lights out. I mean, one of the lone bright spots for the Toronto Raptors throughout the course of these playoffs. I mean, he's been absolutely spectacular. You know, we talked last week with Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, about Kyle uh, Kyle Lowry, and, you know, again, didn't give them a whole lot in game six when they really needed him. Um, you know, Siakam has really played. You know, Siakam, I don't, he was, he, Siakam's played well. He's, he's definitely played well, played well in game six. But Kyle Lowry is really going to have to step up. They're going to have to get some better play from Mark Gasol, particularly if Gasol is going to play 36 minutes in a game and only come away with seven points. He's a guy, see, Mark Gasol is an X-factor for the Raptors, they got him. Remember, in midseason, in the trade, and you know, listen, this guy has been Mr. Consistency. When you talk about players in the NBA over the last ten years, when you talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and what he meant to that organization in terms of them making the playoffs year in and year out, so Mark Gasol is going to have to be more consistent. Kawhi Leonard cannot do it by himself. He's going to need some help. You know, again, he's gotten some good play from Siakam. You know, Serge Ibaka, I think, is going to have to step up. But he's going to have to dig deep and dig deep back into his OKC days as well uh, if Toronto wants to win this. I think one of the things that Toronto definitely has going for it in Game 7 is the fact that it's in Toronto. That is that is huge. As a matter of fact, you know, home court has been huge, really, in this series And you can look at what the 76ers were able to do in game six on Thursday to force a game seven. Talked a lot of NBA playoffs. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit, stay in the NBA, but talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers right now are an absolute mess, an absolute mess. You go back about a month ago with Magic Johnson resigning. You know, at the time I said, you know, I wanted to see Magic see this thing through, but there have been some other things that have come out, some emails that were exchanged apparently that weren't meant for Magic, that didn't speak too highly of Magic. I mean, I don't know if that's 
the reason why he resigned. I mean, it definitely was a bad situation. Uh, Magic Johnson, a Laker through and through, a winner through and through. And again, I'll continue to talk about not only what Magic was able to do on the court as a player, five NBA championships, multiple MVPs. He and Larry Bird, along with Dr. J, helped to save the NBA in the late 70s and make it uh, help to propel it into what it is today, especially when you're talking about the 80s, one of the great eras of NBA basketball. So, you know, the word quit in Magic Johnson, I'm not I'm not necessarily comfortable using both in the same sentence. But at the end of the day, that's what happened. But when you look at this situation Right now, and all of the reports that are coming out, the fact that Tyron Lue, who was a Laker at one time, who won an NBA championship with the Cavaliers, who came in, remember that 2016 season, he came in for David Blatt, who was fired in the middle of the season. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you can you can say it was LeBron James and, and it was. I mean, LeBron James obviously was uh, huge and. You know, Kyrie Irving was really big in the NBA Finals as well. But, you know, Tyron Lue was the head coach and had three successful seasons as the head coach of the Cavaliers. Now, you know, he's it's it's a situation where he it looks like he's going to be reunited with LeBron James. And guess what? That is not going to happen. And, you know, you ask yourself, I mean, the reports say that uh, the Lakers offered him a three-year deal. He wanted a five-year deal, um, which most NBA coaches are getting nowadays. You can look at any number of NBA coaches that have been either hired or have re-upped. You know, it's, it's it, well, not re-upped more so, but hired more so more recently, let's say in, within the last three or four years or so. The, 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 generally, especially for experienced coaches, is five years. And so I don't know if there could have been some kind of compromise for four years. But then reports come out and say, well, um, they wanted to mandate that Tyron Lue had to have Jason Kidd as one of his assistant coaches. And remember, Jason Kidd interviewed for the Lakers head coaching gig. So, I mean, that makes absolutely no sense to me that the Lakers did not hire Jason Kidd, but wanted to mandate that Tyron Lue have him as one of his assistants. You know, if I'm coming into a new situation, you know, he's, I mean, you know, say what you want. Say it was about LeBron James. At the end of the day, three NBA final appearances and an NBA championship for Tyron Lue as the head coach of the Cavaliers. It says something. And if you're LeBron James, you got to be wondering, what is going on here? First, Magic quits. Then it looks like you're going to have a deal with Tyron Lue. And then that doesn't come to fruition. And by the way, remember, Tyron Lue wasn't necessarily, and I don't know, maybe that's part of it. Tyron Lue wasn't necessarily the first choice for the Lakers. He certainly wasn't the first guy that interviewed. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, the Lakers wanted Monty Williams. Um, ultimately wanted Monty Williams and Monty Williams also decided to take another job. Monty Williams. Think about this. Monty Williams decided to take the job as the head coach of the Phoenix Suns and the Suns are, you know, in a worse situation, much worse than the Lakers are right now. So that, 
you know, that sort of tells you something. Although, um, you know, I, I, I was reading or listening to, you know, a couple of people say, well, Monty Williams um, ultimately knew that uh, LeBron James wanted Tyron Lue. So he decided to take the job in Phoenix. Now, look, I bet you he wishes he had that one back, perhaps. And so it begs the question. Then you hear about the trade rumors, uh, not necessarily where they're the talk of trade. I wouldn't call them trade rumors, but the talk of the Lakers maybe trading LeBron James, whether, you know, it's just a big mess in Los Angeles. How did we get to this point? Well, we got to this point in a number of different ways. Number one, when in the middle of the season, the proposed trade for Anthony Davis, when the Lakers were going to give up basically a lot of their players to be able to get Anthony Davis, that didn't happen. You know, Lonzo Ball was injured. I mean, I, I, I like Lonzo Ball. Like, I think he's going to be a pretty good player in this league. A lot of the other injuries that really set in for the Lakers, and then ultimately LeBron James gets injured. You know, and, and now that I think about it, I'm not sure if the Lakers would have even made the playoffs had LeBron James not gotten hurt. Don't know if they would have ultimately made the playoffs. Just a bad situation in Los Angeles. So what are the next steps? I mean, if you're the Lakers, do you, I mean, you know, if you're a free agent, do you ultimately want to come to play in L.A.? Look at all of the players that shunned coming, possibly coming to L.A. to play with LeBron. Um, you know, you look at Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know, you look at, uh, at at Paul George. All of the, you know, these different players, star players that ultimately decided, uh, had the opportunity to come to Los Angeles and ultimately decided not to come right now. What's the offseason going to be like for the L.A. Lakers? It is an absolute terrible situation in Los Angeles and all of this in the midst of the, the Lakers are a, a, still a story. Yeah. LeBron James may not be playing um, in terms of uh, a, a viewership. The numbers may be down because he's not playing. Although I think these playoffs, I mean, you got to give, you got to really give credit in terms of these playoffs. And I mean, these playoffs have been absolutely not spectacular. They've been really Really good. We got a number of game sevens. We've got some really, really good playoffs that are going on right now, even without LeBron James. Yet LeBron James and the Lakers in the midst of the playoffs where they were way out of it, ultimately still making news. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two R-O-W. Up next, Norfolk State head baseball coach Keith Shoemate. The Norfolk State Spartans baseball team, 22 and 22 on the season. They have a weekend series against North Carolina Central in Durham. In his second season as the head baseball coach at Norfolk State is Keith Shoemade. Of course, you may remember the name for so many years, the head baseball coach at North Carolina A&T. The Spartans have already wrapped up the MEAC's Northern Division and going to, of course, be the top seed out of the North in next week's MEAC tournament as Keith Shoemate joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Shoemate, welcome back to the program. Hey, glad to be here, Donald. You know, I look up and, and, and admittedly, I had no idea you were the head baseball coach at Norfolk State. As a matter of fact, in your second season, and I look up 
and Norfolk State is doing so well. Your thoughts uh, on the season? Of course, you have the the weekend series against North Carolina Central as the Spartans prepare for the MEAC tournament next week. Well, um, you know, this game is about players, and and it's it's about the young men that you you uh, bring to your university. And Norfolk State uh, attracts. Uh, just a, a wonderful type student type person, and uh, we have a, a a very good collection of young men who are hungry, have worked hard, uh, they've improved daily, and uh, they they deserve all the credit in the world for that. You know, anytime you go out and compete, you can do a lot of things right, and uh, the other team can do a lot of things right, and so for them to have the success that they've had lately it's just a, a, a tribute to the the kind of work they put in and uh, the kind of talent that uh Norfolk State University attracts so it's been it's been a lot of fun so far yeah i mean you guys are are playing uh you know sort of well uh, again a three game sweep last week of Maryland Eastern Shore which enabled you to wrap up the northern division well we have you know we have some some tough competition in the north um the uh, Coppin State Club, uh, as well as Maryland Eastern Shore and a very hot Delaware State Club. Uh, it's anybody's game every single weekend. And, um, you know, we've, we've, uh, at least been as good or better, uh, on the weekends, uh, when you put it all cumulatively together. And, uh, but again, we have all the just, all the respect in the world for the, uh, other clubs in the North and, uh, all the clubs in the South also. And, uh, so we just, we just love competing. That's our thing. We love to get up in the morning and, you know, the, the guys get through their classes and do a good job there. And, um, then they, they go out and compete and you, you work hard and practice so that you can compete at the highest level. And, um, you know, I did, that's, that's what I love about this club. They're just very, very competitive. You know, you lost your first 10 games of the season, and I know that had to be tough, but can you speak to being able to rebound from that and then go on a seven-game winning streak? Well, this is this is a player development uh, type team. We had some injuries early, and so it really wasn't that tough. I mean, uh, from, from day one, uh, you know, we told them, these guys, what they could do if they worked hard, and uh, they accepted the challenge, and uh, they were working hard. Uh, but they just, we weren't, we weren't good enough at that point to, to put wins in the column. And we, you know, we, we lost some lopsided games, but we also lost a lot of one run games. And, uh, but at no point did they see their manager, head coach, uh, not have anything but, uh, success in them. So, um, just a few days before we snapped that streak, uh, we practiced shaking hands as you do after a victory. And, um, I think after that 10th loss, I, I told them that, I thought that they were contenders to um, to win the MEAC championship, and that they were doing every starting to do everything right. and uh, And let's look at it: if you're going to struggle, you want to struggle early. And and uh, when you factor in weather and you factor in injuries, we just had to make some adjustments, um, you know, to the injuries that we had. And people had to play out of position. People had to play and just hold it. You know, in the road between the between the ditches, so to speak, until we could get people healthy. And when we started to get, uh, you know, people healthy, uh, it, it 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 turned around for us. Having coached in the South for so many years at A and T, and now in your second season at Norfolk State in the North, are there many differences between the North and the South? Well, you know, I think there's always been, um, you know, at least a club or two in the North that was 
you know, good enough to play in the South. I think there's always, the South was always better. But I think that gap has closed now. Um, you're always going to have advantages with weather, but Coppin State has uh, really taken their program, uh, you know, uh, up several notches, and they are a real powerhouse now. Uh, and they're 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 able to they're bringing in some quality players, and they're spending some money on their program, and they do a great job of coaching up there. And Delaware State again, it, they just get better and better and better. They're one of the hottest teams right now. Uh, they've got as good a pitching as, as, as anybody, uh, as far as their starting pitchers, as far as anybody I, I would, from what I've seen, even in the South. Uh, so, um, you know, and, 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 and we, we just love to compete against anybody. Uh, we naturally, I think all of the clubs naturally have more pitching on the weekend. It's sometimes we have to sacrifice those midweek games when we don't have the arms, but, by and large, I think this this conference, you know, is is right up there with uh, a, a lot of a lot of the really good conferences. I think a lot of people um, mistakenly think that hey, the MEAC is just uh, some throwaway lower conference. This is a very very strong baseball conference. I mean, I'll say that again: is a very very strong conference, and you're starting to see those midweek wins. Uh, with a lot of the clubs are starting to just knock people down regularly uh, midweek. And, uh, I, again, I think the North has come a long, long ways. I think it's both of the divisions are pretty even right now. Talking with Norfolk State head baseball coach Keith Shoemate here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Getting back to something you said, Coach Shoemate, if, you know, you, you took five of six this year from Delaware State and then you split with Coppin State three games uh, three to three. You talked about Delaware State being hot right now. You talked about Coppin State sort of, uh, you know, maybe being, uh, uh, if you will, uh, the, sort of the class maybe of the Northern Division. But what does that say about your club? Again, having taken five of six from DSU and then split with Coppin State. Well, it, it, you know, again, credit to our players. Uh, you know, we're we believe in ourselves, and and uh, again, we we love to compete. And you might, we might go out and compete today and the score might not go our way, but if you do things right and you work as hard as these guys do, uh, you know, the other team has to come to play. And, uh, if they leave an opening, uh, this bunch is going to take it. I mean, uh, you, you've got to play good defense against them. Um, you know, they're, they're a multifaceted, uh, team. Uh, you know, there's no one unbelievable strength, but what happens is that, you know, they just have so many multiple ways uh, to create offense. Uh, the club needed a defensive improvement in the second half of the season. We've been a very solid defensive club. We were a very poor defensive club to start the year, but it was nothing more than getting the reps and getting people in the right places. And, uh, you know, and I'm proud of the, the sacrifice that some of them made to play positions that they're probably not their, their best positions. Uh, but again, the club, the club has just gone out and competed, and and, uh, and again, I even though we've had our, our our luck with Delaware State, they run out as three as you know three um, as nice as starters as you want to run out on the weekend, and uh, they they would be a club I would you know I'd want to avoid if I were uh, uh, one of the teams in the South uh, facing them in the first round. Uh, Coppin State again has just been 
they've just been tough. I mean, they've been tough. They were good last year. They were good again this year. And it was just anybody's game. And like I said, we had to have a lot of things go right for us. Um, but again, you know, things going right for you is usually the, the result of, you know, a lot of, uh, preparation. And, and these, these guys are prepared. They've, they've won big. <laughs> they've blown people out. Uh, our guys have won one run ball games going down the stretch. Uh, nail biters, extra innings. Uh, we've come from behind. Uh, we won pretty and we won ugly. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, when you can win all those different ways, it's usually the, it's usually the, uh, an indicator that you're doing some things right. And so I'm very proud of them, but, uh, we have a long ways to go here. For you, speak to your philosophy in terms of aggressive base running because, I mean, at A&T, you were generally in the top 10, you know, top 15 in all of Division One in stolen bases. And lo and behold, Norfolk State number eight in Division One in stolen bases right now. Well, you know, a lot of people always you get these you get these uh, attachments or uh, these labels, and it used to be that uh, everybody thought that the clubs I had played played gorilla ball, and that we were all trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark, and we hit a lot of doubles and home runs. But then we would also run up a lot of stolen bases, and so now it's kind of if you you know if you play, uh, you know, one of the teams that I'm fortunate enough to coach in this case. Uh, you know what, we do have an aggressive style, but for me, it's always been applying the style to what the personnel is. And we don't have that many, you know, uh, really fast guys. I and mean, we have a couple of guys that can run, but it's just a mental attitude. And really the other team determines whether, you know, to what extent you're going to have a running game. So, uh, you know, on, on, on Wednesday, you may have a hit and run offense. Uh, you know, on Friday, you may have a bunt-type offense. On Saturday, you may steal a ton of bases. And on Sunday, in that third game of the weekend series, you may hit a lot of doubles and hit some home runs. And uh, so uh, we play in a very, very big ballpark uh, where generally the, wet, the the wind does blow in. Uh, and so uh, it, it just it, our, our philosophies kind of gravitate that way. Uh, we want to we want to be multifaceted, and rather than one guy stealing, you know, 50 bases, we want to have 12 guys, you know, stealing at least you know eight to 10 bases, and just always be unpredictable. So that is just something that I've always fallen in love with. I was not a a fast guy when I played, uh, but I always studied the parts of the game that I wasn't that great at. And I don't know, it's just always, the, the running game has always uh, you know, come easy to me. We've got Keith Shoemate, the head baseball coach at Norfolk State, joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Hold the line for me one second, Coach Shoemate. I'm up against the break. On the other side, going to talk with Coach Shoemate about some of the personnel, some of the guys that are getting it done this season. For the Norfolk State Spartans, again, 22 and 22 on the season. They've already wrapped up the MEAC's Northern Division and looking to take some momentum into next week's MEAC tournament. Next week's MEAC tournament begins on Wednesday. They're going to be the number one seed coming out of the North, and the Spartans have a weekend series in Durham against North Carolina Central. So stay tuned. 
Wrapping it up with Keith Shoemate, the head baseball coach at No Folks State. Bring them out, on bring them the out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Hey, say what's happening, man. It's TIP, man. You know what I mean? Hustle gang here, Hunt Joe the King himself. Then you know right now, man, you listen to from the press box to the press row, man. You understand? Hold what you got, man. Hustle gang. Mommy, where are we going? To the grocery store, honey. Oh, goody, Mommy. Can we buy an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I couldn't help myself, and I ate it all, and I was hoping that you could, like, help me replace it before he comes home from work. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Thanks, Mom. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. You can also purchase Marjorie's beef jerky online at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's marjoriesbeefjerky.com, or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. Keith Shoemate, the head baseball coach at Norfolk State, joins us here in the program. Who are some of the guys that are playing well for you right now, Coach Shoemate? Well, um, you know, we are, one of the guys who gets a lot of publicity, and rightly so, is we have a, a young man, um, DH a lot for us early in the year, but he's just, uh, a regular second baseman, and he's playing second base now. Uh, his name is Alexander Womack. A lot of, a lot of people know Recognize the last name. His dad's former major leaguer uh, that played with the uh, Diamondbacks and uh, several other clubs. Uh, was with St. Louis when they uh, went to the World Series one year. Um, and where his dad was a, a real runner, uh, Al is a he, he is a, a hitter all the way, and so he's a very offensive minded. Uh, he's a young man that uh, when I first got to Norfolk State last year as a hitting instructor in October, I was I you know I reported on about the third or fourth day that hey this kid can hit he's one of three kids that i thought could really swing the bat and uh it was just very obvious so he works hard uh his dad's given a lot of uh, you know a lot of help over the years and so i just get out of his way and write his name in the lineup and i think he's you know he's hit around 400 all year long and uh he's been pitched very very tough in these last couple of series but he's made adjustments, and uh, he's just a solid offensive player. Um, uh, our center fielder is a uh, Justin Hayes. Justin Hayes is a, a name that a lot of people have seen a lot the last couple of years. Uh, this is his um, second year at Norfolk State. He is a senior uh, transfer out of another school, and uh, he's he just does it all for us. He's our captain. He's a defensive player. man's that huge outfield. Uh, at Marty Miller Field, uh, he's a guy that can can bunt for a hit. He can move runners up. He can hit the ball the other way. He can bunt the ball, um, uh, pull the ball. I, I mean, say uh, hit the ball around the ballpark. He can hit the holes. He's just a very uh, good leadoff uh, player. And those two guys sort of set the tone for our offense. And uh, 
Then we have probably uh, Caleb Ward and Stephen Bond are two of the bigger names that people recognize. Bond is a uh, one of, up in the top uh, leaders and doubles in the country, and um, seems to have a knack for getting you know big hits in the gap. And uh, I think he's tied currently with uh, five or six home runs to you know for the uh, top spot in the league in home runs. And again, he plays in the biggest ballpark you know day in day out. So quite an accomplishment for him uh, to lead in home runs. He led the league last year with nine. And again, Caleb Ward is a kid that, uh, young man that's really, uh, swung the bat well for us this year, flirting with hitting 300 and hit several doubles, knocked in a lot of runs. So those are just a few of the names. Uh, and, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're not built around any one guy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of been a contribution from everybody this year. Keith Shoemate in his second season as the head baseball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the Spartans, a weekend series against North Carolina Central in Durham. They've already wrapped up the Northern Division as they prepare for next week's MEAC tournament. Coach Shoemate, great to catch up with you. Continued success to you and the Spartans. I appreciate it, Donald, and uh, just keep, you know, keep doing what you do. Uh, you know, love listening to you, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, always interesting to, to hear you talk about sports. Good to catch up with Keith Shoemate, the head baseball coach at Norfolk State. So many years, the head coach at North Carolina A&T. And for a period of about 10 years or so, when Bethune-Cookman was dominating the conference, one year, there was one year that a team other than Bethune-Cookman won the MEAC tournament, and that was North Carolina A&T in 2005. And the head coach at that time, was Keith Shoemate. So glad uh, to catch up with Keith Shoemate, now the head baseball coach at Norfolk State. Want to turn our attention now, and I talked about it, I teased it in the open with respect, and I know about a month ago, maybe a little less than a month ago, we talked about uh, Sylvia, Sylvia Hatchell resigning as the head women's basketball coach at UNC amid some um, some allegations of some insensitive um, some racially insensitive remarks that were made. Also the fact, or not the fact, but alleged that players would have to play, would have to play when they were injured or not fully healthy. Um, and, you know, again, as I mentioned, uh, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, has elected not to release the independent investigation that it meaning UNC had done, they have elected not to release the findings of those uh, investigations, which, you know, I find both uh, both disappointing uh, and inexcusable at the same time. You want to have transparency, and I get it. You know, I get it. Sylvia Hatchell is a, a Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, won national championships, has meant everything to UNC and the women's basketball program at UNC. Because of some of the findings that uh, may be out there, you don't want to further embarrass her. I mean, I get all of that, but you know, I think those things should have been thought should have been thought about before they, in fact, happen. Particularly the racially insensitive comments that were allegedly made. Listen, you know, every we we are so quick, and you know, I, I'll I'll give. 
an example, the Silent Sam deal at UNC as an example. And, you know, it's a statue that a lot of people don't want on campus. There's it's a statue that some people do uh, want on campus It's a statue that represents a time in the history of America that was not a great time. It was a dark time. If you think it's a racist time uh, now we live in, we're living in a in a in a in a climate right now where there's a lot of um, racial stuff that's going on. Just look at, you know, what was happening at the turn uh, of the 1900s at the end of Reconstruction. And my position at first, and, and a lot of this has come about because you go back to Charlottesville and what happened in Charlottesville and the, the remarks that uh, that 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 Donald Trump made uh, in the aftermath of uh, of the statues and so forth in the aftermath of Charlottesville. And, you know, my my thought at the time was that we want to topple all of these statues and these Confederate monuments and all of that kind of stuff. And I think my my thought process, at least at the time, was it's a part of our history. Like it's it may be a bad part of our history, but it's a part of our history. You don't erase history, although I have since found out that the reason why those statues were put in place was to remind specifically black folks about uh, where we had come from at that time, at one time being slaves and at and, and certainly uh, not having any rights. Maybe during a period of reconstruction when you had a lot of uh, black elected uh, officials, Congress persons, et cetera, um, that when once reconstruction was over, it went back to the old days of lynchings and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and I get all I mean, I, I get all of that. But for, uh, you know, again, I think it's irresponsible because a lot of times we want to just hide that. That's the problem. We just want to hide history. We want to hide all of those different things that happen and not bring those kind of things to light. And now, you know, in today's climate, I think we're a lot more socially aware and socially conscious. And it's a great thing that you have people of all races that go out and do a lot of these protests against uh, racism, which is still rampant in America. But at the end of the day, we have to address what happened back in the day. And in this situation, with respect to Sylvia Hatchell, more so from in, from my vantage point, from uh, from the race part of this and some of the and some of the uh, apparent remarks or alleged remarks that she in fact that not in fact, but that she made the report needs to be released. UNC Chapel Hill needs to be responsible and release that report. I get it. You don't want to further embarrass um, Sylvia. I, I get all of that. But at the end of the day, you need to be transparent. You need to address a lot of the ills that are still happening in society. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, I guess you can't put anything past anybody, quite frankly. Who would have thought that, you know, I, and matter of fact, I went to um, about three years ago. I was invited to a um, uh, it was uh, I don't think it was a black student union at UNC Chapel Hill, but it was a a group. Um, uh, 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 there was a group that was promote. It was Black History Month. That's what it was, and there was a group that had that that, uh, had put on a bit of a program, um, and had also um invited Sylvia Hatchell to speak right before the women's game because this group was gonna meet and then be a part of the game and go to the game and support 
um, the Lady Tar Heels and all of that. And, you know, she made some great comments at the time about, you know, about um, about Black History Month and all of those kind of things. And then then for this to come out, who would have thought? But it just shows that you can't put anything past anybody. And in my opinion, UNC Chapel Hill needs to be responsible and needs to release the report about what happened with respect to the women's basketball program there. Your thoughts. Hit me up via Twitter at Boxtoro, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Before we get out of here, I'm from the press box to press row. Got to send my condolences to the family uh, of Randy Jones, not only to his family, but to Elizabeth State University, to Elizabeth State um, University Athletics, to WRVS, which is an affiliate of ours uh, in Elizabeth City. Um, Randy Jones passed away earlier this week. You know, I've known Randy for about 20 years or so. I knew Randy when he was in this when we were both in the sports information business. And he was the voice of Elizabeth City State, the voice of the Vikings. But moreover, not only was he that and an excellent broadcaster, but Randy Jones, you heard him many times in our box to row blitz over the years. But Randy Jones was an outstanding person. Saw him at the CIAA tournament, had a chance to speak to him. He you know, asked me to kind of come out and and he was going to invite me out to talk to some of the, the students there at Elizabeth City State. And I was more than happy to do it and can't believe that Randy Jones is gone, gone way too soon. Not even sure of his age. He may, I don't even think, even think he was 50, but uh, our condolences and my condolences to the family uh, of Randy Jones and to the Elizabeth city state university family. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Keith Shoemate, the head baseball coach at Norfolk state for joining us on the program. Got a lot of great stuff at box Go to BoxToRow.com for more information about the program. Great articles there. As a matter of fact, also our HBCU Football Daily Podcast is going to kick off on June the 19th. June the 19th, we're going to start it off with Alcorn State, the defending SWAC champions. And always remember to support those that support you. From the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. Why you have to go so soon? It seems like yesterday we were hanging round the hood. Now I'm gonna keep your memory alive like a holy should. I'm a memory going down the drain.